Welcome to the 9642 podcast. This is your host, Mr. Number 9. And this is the fool. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Me and the fool are happy. Uh, happy to bring back, bring you back to our bread and butter, yeah. the football of the association variety. Woohoo! Yay! Round ball. Round ball, the best ball. The best ball. So we will be looking at all the stuff going on in the world of uh, football. Sure, we had we've had a bit of a quote unquote winter break after the Christmas period uh, when yeah. it came to English. Uh, the English season, but this time of year, it's when managers like Jurgen Klopp say insulting things about Africa and used to have a tournament being pl- played biannually. It is the AFCON. Yeah. Throughout the years, how have you... What is your relationship to the Africa Cup of Nations? Um, I mean, I don't... I've never followed it fully, but it's always been there, and it's the sort of one that you hear about around this time because it's, you know, players are away from the EPL um, yes. and elsewhere. So you sort of hear a little bit and you, you know, maybe in the past I might have fi- followed Ivory Coast a little bit with Drogba, um, things like that, you know. You knew things were happening. It's interesting. It, whenever I do catch some of it, it always seems very, very compelling. Um, yeah. Like it's a little bit like um, the South American stuff, where you have lots of teams that are all very, very equal. Sometimes, yeah. There's a few that are, are above, but then there's a lot in the middle there that it can be. Um, you don't know which way the game's going to go. And... Yeah, and I think one of the things is like obviously it's had a lot of tournaments because it's a biannual tournament and it has yeah. always been a biannual tournament. It's been played since 1957. So almost 70 years, what, 65 years now, it's yeah. always been a biannual tournament. So anybody complaining that it's a biannual tournament, it's like, okay, it's never not been one. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> been one before you were born. Yeah. Um, and it's got the most number of winners even then, like, because uh, it's just, uh, there's so many teams that can compete, and like, you know, Africa, uh, the AFC, confederate, the confederation there have the most number of participating nations. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to make a few arguments about the stuff before we go into the, because obviously... Um, I don't think I need to defend AFCON to you. I think we all agree every continent deserves its tournament. And everybody yeah. in Europe who goes, why is it at this time of year? I'm like, have you tried playing football in a tropical country in summer? Yeah, when else do you want them to have it? Like, it's the same people who complained about having to play in the Amazon rainforest, uh, you know, <laughs> in Manaus, because it's too hot. And I'm like, okay, and you expect it's okay for people in Africa to play? Yeah. And that time, like, they should just do it? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that is a very valid complaint, really, like, to make to other people. Now, people, there are, this is the problem with this, because there are some people who have constructive criticism where they go, oh, maybe you shouldn't have it every two years. It'll be more special if you have it every four years, and it'll be, people will be less likely. And look, I think we should have, like, the AFCON where it is, but we should make a, 
you know, a proper winter window, winter break for all of European football. So that way, it, nobody's yeah. disadvantaged, blah, blah, blah. And like, okay, fair enough. That, but the thing is, like, criticisms like that, which are constructive, they've got ideas and they're going, and they're not like going, how dare you exist, sort <laughs> yeah, of criticism. Exactly. Yeah. It's basically amongst the criticism of everybody who's literally basically like, yeah, why do you exist? How dare you? How dare you play football? That's not in Europe, sort of uh, argument. Which it boils down to what the well, you know, when you boil down to that is literally what those guys who are criticizing it are saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they um, so when they so these constructive criticisms kind of you know they get looked at with suspicion. Now the two-year thing, I am gonna put forward a radical proposal. I think every confederation apart from UEFA should be playing their continental competition every two years. Just Ooh. like Africa. Yeah. Because A, maybe not Comnibol, I'll put that at the little asterisks, but yeah, yeah. CONCACAF, AFCON, Asia, Oceania, you're not winning a World Cup. You may yeah. as well have your continental competition every two years, so you have something for your nations to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. For more... to do something. Yeah, I mean, Oceania also may be a bit of an asterisk because so rarely does a team other than New Zealand win it. But why not? Yeah. Because that it actually gives teams like Fiji, Tahiti, you know, um, Solomon Islands a chance to try and win more in the international gives them games state. as well. Like, yeah. To get better, PNG. They're not going to get better if they're only playing you know, a couple of games every four years, and then yeah. in between nobody cares. Like um, exactly, didn't... exactly. And I think it also means you get to host it in a lot more Oceania countries. So mm. there's a opportunity for, and even if it's hosted every now, every alternate tournament's hosted in New Zealand. Think about how much of a boon that is for the game here in New Zealand exactly. to be able to host a competition every year. Like so. Oceania, the case sells itself. I think the the case sells itself for Asia and North America as well. Yeah, like yeah. this is your opportunity to play more often, get more games, get this will uh, showcase more and more of your players at the international level, so that you get yeah. a chance to they get a chance to get lucrative moves and uh, things like this. So it's it's a win win. And like I said, you're unlikely quote unquote to win the World Cup in uh World Cup uh so therefore why not play you know win uh why not have a continental championship every two years and uh do it the same time of year that Africa does it, you know? Yeah. Middle of winter. Like yeah. just go F you to the Europeans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. That would be good. And if they could get a add some sort of Europe-wide window there that'd be the awesome. That's actually good for the game all round yeah. as well. So, like, okay, European players get a rest break or they play international qualifiers. Yeah. Club games are on a break. Um, and you have, like, uh, another window for tournaments in the, um, in the uh, summer window and then you have one or two weeks in between to play your qualifiers and whatnot. But what about the poor, poor billionaires that own the clubs? What are they no. going to get out of it? Oh, Mr. Mm. Number Nine. You've got to think of the billionaires. 
I don't know. They get to sell more. They get to convince more people to invest in uh, to sponsorship money by going, look, these are our players who are playing in these big national tournaments that get you exposure. They say exposure is the same as money. The billionaires say it, not me. <laughs> no, but they say it to us. <laughs> Therefore, it's also money for them, right? Like It's even better for them because they're already rich. They can use it better than we can. <laughs> yeah. No, I... Definitely sounds like a great idea. Um, so that is say. my rant about AFCON. It's complaining to people who complain. Also, like if you, if a coach like Jurgen Klopp, this is the thing. Like he should know better because at, at the end of the day, he has a reasonable amount of say in the players who come into his club, and he knows yeah. they're African. Yeah. Okay. So then suddenly go, oh, why are they going? It's like okay, you know they're African. Uh, but yeah, like, why don't you just ask them to stop being African? Like, that's like they can't because you know <laughs> exactly. Uh, it is a bit ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So we go for uh, go on to the tournament itself. Like okay, that being said, the other part of Afcon that I think, uh, like me personally, I've been basically following Afcon since Cameroon did well in the nineteen ninety. Um, yeah, World yeah. Cup, and like World just, Cup. it's always fascinated me. And then I just realized after that that actually, like, because they didn't do the too well in the Afcon that came after in 1992, which was won by I believe uh, Ivory Coast, and it was this incredible penalty uh, shoot off between Ivory Coast and Ghana. Oh, cool. uh, and this was that was Ivory Coast's first title. Apparently, they had paid a witch doctor to bless them, and then they ended up not paying him, and he cursed them until uh, they finally paid him in 2001, and they qualified for the 2002 World Cup. Oh, there right. you go. You got to pay those witch doctors, man. You got to pay those witch doctors. Um, I mean, and like you don't after... hear stories like that in your in the Euros. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, exactly. I mean, the funny thing about that is they got the witch dog, he blessed them, it worked. Like, and then they went play with fire to not pay them after that. Like, because yeah. like, worked, and you went, okay, we're not going to pay you. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Exactly. You've already proved the effectiveness of them. This is bad news, Ivory Coast. What are you thinking? Yeah, yeah. So, and it. Uh, so that was basically, uh, were, like you know, that was my introduction to Afcon. Um, now that is a great introduction to Afcon. That's just wonderful. And like, so I've watched a lot of the tournaments, like sometimes more intensely than others. Um, mm. Recent times, it would do, often depend on people I know at work or people I know who are into football. So a lot of times, it, I'd have workmates who might be North African or West African who suddenly January are like really, really patriotic <laughs> and whatnot. And then I'd be like, oh yeah, Afcon's on. All right, let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. So we've had a really good tournament, I think, so far. Um, Mal, the being. Uh, it's being held in Cameroon, and the yeah, it's I think it looks really, really hot down there, like incredibly. Um, like despite it's not being, imagine if this was played in summer. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy. Fair, Cameroon is like a 
Uh, Cameroon is an equatorial country, so it makes yeah. no difference what time of year you no, there is that. play it, probably. Um, but the uh, the I think a lot of the players in Europe, because you know the conditions are such that they're used to like a more slick surface and whatnot yeah. like you know more rain whereas it's a bit drier um so they've been a bit slow also like you know early tournament like when you are is when you're always a bit uh oh, what's going to happen let's not let's play to not lose especially because third place teams can qualify yeah um 24 when you have a 24 team tournament with a round of you know round of 16 that is the smart way to go uh, be a bit more conservative and like but i think it still had some cracking games i was particularly impressed by nigeria i was expecting egypt to beat them especially yeah. since salah's been in great form um yeah, for yeah. both egypt and liverpool the silicon salah should be the guy winning the ballon d'or this year should have won ballon d'or let's yeah. be honest if it wasn't uh, lewandowski last year which would have been fair it should have been salah yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's playing like that Ballon d'Or level, you know, this oh, season. Like, yeah. it's incredible. He's um, playing crazy. Just, he's playing crazy good. Um, yeah. But, you know, they basically, I wouldn't say he had Salah in his pocket, uh, Sanusi, but I think uh, the, they basically countered them really well, got a good goal, and, like, you know, they play an interesting style of. Well, um, so I think, uh, yeah, there's just an international tournament. You see a team play really well with this interesting style, and you're like, oh, yeah, I think these guys are going to win. Don't fall in love with that team. <laughs> they will break your heart. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yes, I do. Like, that was Germany in the 2010 World Cup. That was Cameroon in 1990. That was, um, you know, Brazil and 2000, France in 2006. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can go on. Yeah. Now, the, basically, the group stages have gone. Um, we've got some crackers of a game. So Burkina Faso, first of all, are playing uh, Gabon um, mm. in, uh, on Monday. Uh, it's knockout football. Look, at this stage, it's obviously anybody's game. Um, Obama Yang is uh, gonna be uh, uh, is gonna be on fire, I think. Um, as much as I think Burkina Faso have played really well, I think Gabon have come out of a tough group, playing like really solid at the back while being still being threatening up front. So I see Gabon winning that game. Sorry, Stallions. Yeah. Next game we have the one of the matches of the of the round I think Nigeria yeah, yeah. versus Tunisia, uh, the Super Eagles versus the uh, Lions of Carthage. What well, basically two continent two continental powerhouses, like and it's really really difficult to pick out a winner between the two of these. I think, but I think uh, because I thought Nigeria were one of the teams to beat this this tournament i think i don't think they're going to um sorry they're not the lions of carthage they're the eagles of carthage so they're oh, both eagles all right yes Peggy harden 
So the Eagles and the Eagles. Uh, I think the Nigeria will edge through. Next, we've got a bit of a West African derby with Gambia and Guinea. I think Gambia's yeah. done really well to make it to the knockouts, but like this format, as we've seen, does allow for that, um, which is to take nothing away from what they've done. I think uh, this is as far as they'll go, though. Guinea yeah. are basically like continental regulars. They This is the business end of the tournament. I suspect they're going to just do really well. Yeah. So... Well done, Gambia. This is one of your best results in continental level, but I think that's it for you guys. I th Guinea, uh, the elephants are going to go through. Yeah, makes sense. So just on that, just looking at the results, like the Gambia have been doing very... They have been doing really well. Yeah, to, yeah, to be fair. They've been undefeated so far. So. And they've come out of a tough group as well. Yeah. For... Because they had Tunisia and Mali in their group. And uh, Tunisia finished third. Which yeah. is the other reason why I think um, uh, Nigeria are going to beat them. Yeah. But yeah, Gambia definitely played, uh, have played well uh, so far. Yeah. The next match we've got Comoro. I think this is their first appearance in the... Afcon, so congrats, and they made it, to, or maybe the first appearance in the group stage of Afcon. Hmm. No, no, it is their actual debut. All right. So well, well done them, and they've made it to the. And it's Gambia's debut too. So there you go. Both, All right. Two, both debutant teams making it to the knockouts. Um, but I think unfortunately for them, this is as far as they will go because they're playing basically the hosts and I think one of the best teams in the continent yeah. still and with the, the maybe the informed player of the tournament uh, Camer the indomitable Lions Cameroon every yeah. guy from outside Africa's favorite African team yeah. um, <laughs> uh, like Vincent Abukar five goals so far in the knockout rounds he's just been banging them in yeah. Um, I think, unfortunately for Comoro, he's Comoro says probably uh, gonna fancy himself against them. Yeah, pretty much. I and think. he's gonna, uh, I think, uh, they're gonna get through quite easily. Next up, we have the Senegal versus Cabo Verde. Who can forget Senegal's performance yeah. in the 2002? Uh, FIFA World Cup, like they're one of those teams that broke our hearts, right? Yeah. Like by making it to the quarters and no further. But uh, and this Senegal team, arguably one of the strongest sides in Africa, I believe. Yeah. They've got talent all around. They've also got uh, an absolute talisman in Sadio Mane. Yeah. In their team, I suspect that they will go through quite easily. Um, in this tournament, so the Lions of Teranga uh, go through in that, but I do think the Sharks will give them a run for their money. Cabo yeah. Verde are now like what we might call like streetwise performers in yeah, yeah. the uh, in the Afcon tournaments. There were no longer they've made the quarterfinals 2013. People are no longer surprised when they see them, you know, do well. Yeah. I think the only thing on that is that while Senegal topped their group, they have not been playing 
particularly yes, well. Yes, they have not been playing particularly well. So, so it's a question upset, of... But, yeah. uh, if there is to be an upset, I think that might be the one that yeah, yeah. will happen. Next up, we've got the... Uh, we've got Morocco versus Malawi. Uh, Morocco, like Malawi, have done really well to come out of the group stage. This is their best performance so far in yeah. a in the um, Afcon. Like before, they've only qualified twice before this. Um, but the Atlas Lions are just too strong. Uh, I think, I think one of the best teams in the tournament so far. I think they're gonna, yeah, unfortunately, so, get through quite easily. Yeah, the ones in Malawi say have been very strong. Like. They held Senegal to a draw, so which is um, pretty good um, going by yeah. them. So, but yeah, I think you're right. Like, and holding Morocco to a draw is not good enough in this, and I don't see it happening as easily. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, if you get to the the uh, penalty shootout stage, anything can happen, but it's not going to yeah. get to the penalty shootout stage. Like. Uh, I think even if it gets to the shootout stage, even if you know, anything happens, you still the the pressure of it and the the lights and the everything going on is being first time there and everything. Like Morocco yeah. will, their stars will be able to handle that pressure and be able to handle what's going on a lot easier. So yeah, I would yeah. suspect that even going to penalties, Morocco should be favourites for it. Although as we know, penalties are a lot more hit and miss. Yeah, yeah. Now, next stage, maybe the other big match of the tournament. We've got yeah. the Elephants of Ivory Coast playing basically the Continental Royalty, the Pharaohs, Egypt. Um, two teams that have, uh, like, I think uh, Ivory Coast are going to be a bit upset that Egypt finished second in their group and they have to face them now. Yeah. Um, but the uh this match it's tough i don't know it's difficult to say i think while ivory coast have performed really well in this tournament so far like beating algeria 3-1 with yeah. riyad mahrez and all uh in that side and algeria were one of the teams everybody was expecting to do really well before the tournament yeah um i think they'll be very disappointed to not make it through to the knockouts at least um especially since they also lost to equatorial guinea and yeah. uh drew with sierra leone so that's you know far the fennec foxes are the and you know especially because tunisia and morocco went through so their local and egypt you know all their yeah, yeah. north african rivals have gone through so they're not going to be happy uh i don't think no um but I think Egypt are too strong for the Ivory Coast at the moment. I think Salah and Co are just gonna do like magic things. Yeah, it, I think you're right. It's quite likely that Egypt will will win that, but I'll hold out hope that yeah, the Ivory Coast can make it just for all time's yeah. sake. <laughs> and then finally, we have Mali versus Equatorial Guinea. I mean, I think on paper people think. Mali will win this easily, but I don't think it's that straightforward. I think it's a bit more close than people give it credit for. Equatorial Guinea have played well in their group stage. They mm. came second, losing um uh losing only the one game and they 
they managed to beat Sierra Leone and Algeria, so definitely not a team I would take lightly. Uh, and it was only Ivory Coast only put one goal against them as well, so it's not like there was a you know the defense yeah. has been holding up there as well. So say so I wouldn't be taking them lightly either if I was them if I was Mali, but and I'm sure Mali's uh, not really, but. Yeah, yeah, but I think if there is to be a... Like, Mali are perennial underachievers in the continent mm. as well. They're like this. They're the team that chokes. So, Equatorial Guinea, will they bring the national thunder against the Eagles? We'll see. We'll see. But I think that would be my pick for an upset there. I think Equatorial Guinea can do can do it. Yeah, that's definitely um possible to say... With the way they've been playing, they're just gonna um, play like they have and have the belief that they clearly have shown through the group stage. Um, and they've been playing pretty much as good as Mali have. So yeah, yeah, see how it goes. Absolutely, and like it's obviously gonna be an incredible next round. Um, like this is there's no. There's no games you can miss once there's a knockout stages of an international tournament, which is why I want there to be, you know, it wanted to be done every yeah two years. I think if you have like like Comnibol and the Euros can just play at the same time every four years, and I think that's fine because they're gonna play in. But the other side of why I think Comnibol should consider doing it every two years is because they have just to go back to our earlier is that they don't have a qualifier for copa america oh yeah like they do for the for the world cup so if they do have a qualifying tournament you know that world cup qualifying tournament is the only qualifying tournament they play so they're having another copa america can fit in their schedule and they're in the southern hemisphere as well so the timing of doing a winter tournament kind of works out for them yeah yeah as well so that's i think uh i think this is the thing africa's shown us the light we just need to do what they do yeah <laughs> you know much, shown yeah. us the way to do it <laughs> um but looking at this uh the uh side uh are you um is there a t are you Gonna be, uh, are you backing Ivory Coast? If they manage to beat Egypt, do you think they're going to get all the way through? Yeah. Uh, so looking at it, I think the Ivory Coast have got a pretty... Even after beating Egypt, they're going to have a pretty hard mm. thing because the next round's going to be Morocco, it's more than likely. Mor- yeah. Semi-finals, Cameroon, probably. Um, yeah. So that's three hard ones. I was looking at the Nigeria... Nigeria Tunisia seem to me to be the ones that might have the easier side if that's such a thing in, in AFCON. But like whoever wins that one is the winner of Burkina Faso and Gabon. Like I would expect one of those two Nigeria. to be Yeah. Like either yeah, Tunisia yeah. or Nigeria should be strong enough for that. And then after that it's Mali, Equatorial Guinea, Senegal, Cape Verde. So like probably Mali or Senegal. Which is a bit mm. of a hard, yeah, maybe. Like as we're just talking about, Equatorial Guinea is probably. This is the thing: Equatorial Guinea or Cabo Verde could could Those... do upsets. Those were the two games we thought were the most likely to have upsets. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like Senegal probably, but that was 
the other game that we had on our upset list. So, um, you know, that could be the, you know, Equatorial Guinea versus Cape Verde in that um, quarterfinal, in which case the winner of Nigeria-Tunisia then has, whilst they've got a, they have to fight the Cinderella story um, going on. Yeah. You know, semi-finals is where that happens. So, um, where where the Cinderella yeah. story dies is semi-finals. Um, so yeah, like that seems the easier half, though obviously that top half is a little bit more of the inform half. As in, you know, that's why there's the upsets there. So you got the technically lesser teams are actually on form or the bottom half. But yeah. Lesser ones are like, oh yeah, you've done well to get where you are, but this is probably as far as you're going. Um, yeah, I think also in a tournament like this, to be uh, with all due respect to the quote unquote lesser sides, yeah. um, who are making, especially those making their first appearance, they have less players playing in Europe. Yeah, less players who are probably tired, and like when you're, and they're really motivated to take their teams as far as possible because you know this is their debut campaign in uh, Afcon. Yeah. So they're setting like a benchmark for you know future generations and their of their countrymen uh, coming up. Um, so yeah, that game against Guinea, Gambia. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they won. I'd be surprised if Comoro Comoros beat Cameroon. You know. Yeah. Like that's a genuine upset. But Gambia and Guinea, that's a that's potentially a close game. No, I, I think would definitely well. call that a, a close game. I wouldn't call it... If Gambia wins, I wouldn't really call it that much of an upset. Um, mm. Though I think, as you said, like, Guinea is a... This is where they get here quite often. You know, they're seasoned travellers into the knockout stages of, of AFCON. But, yeah. yeah, Gambia's been playing well. That's a good draw for them to be up with, um, Guinea. You know, that gives them the best chance to get to the next next stage. Yeah. Yeah, say, I but wouldn't call it an upset if they win because I feel it's pretty, pretty even. Absolutely, and I think. But that being said, whoever wins Guinea versus Gambia, it's hard to see either of them get past Cameroon. Yeah, no, it's, I mean you get to that, but Cameroon's going to win there. To me, that's yeah. it. So that's my look. Yeah. Go. Yeah, the winner of Ivory Coast Egypt doesn't have. It's probably Morocco. That's not an easy next one. Then it's probably Cameroon. That's not an easy semi final. So, like, and same, but the same with Cameroon. Like, Cameroon gets a probably an easier quarterfinal, but semi-final, whether that's Morocco, Ivory Coast, Egypt, like that's a hard semi-final for them as well. Like that whole bottom half, there's going to be a tough match through there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Cameroon are too happy that Egypt and Morocco ended up on their side of the draw. No, that's yeah. Like both of them, like, come on, guys. <laughs> but it'll be good, whichever way it goes. Oh, it makes for um, interesting watching. Absolutely. Now, just to parlay in the situation, um, so AFCON traditionally, at the same time, the way it works, we have World Cup qualifiers going on as well. Yeah. Now, in the Africa side of things, the and the, the CAF have currently uh, are going through their group 
their group stages. They haven't yet decided on the how the third round's going to go. So the second round is done. Third round draws are to be to be are to be held. Yeah. Uh, and in the third round, we we have Algeria, Cameroon, Congo, Egypt, Ghana, Mali, Morocco, Nigeria, Senegal, and Tunisia already qualified. So I think definitely Algeria and Ghana, the other team that failed to qualify from their group, are going to be reasonably upset. And like for uh, Algeria, they have Islam, Slimani, and Riyad Mahrez topping the charts for goal scoring. Yeah, yeah. Once we know who is in that third round, there's basically going to be home and away knockouts, and whoever wins qual- qualify. Yeah. So that's why it's hard for Africa. Like, the draw will be held on tomorrow, in fact. Oh, I see. In Douala, Cameroon. So that's going to be an interesting day. Ideally, maybe we should have done this podcast the day after <laughs> to talk about this. But we'll know more about how it goes once we get that information in the days of those matches. Hey there, Editor Team Fool here. Number 9 and I realized that we were a bit early on the African World Cup qualifiers, so we're just sliding back in a few days later to go back over that. Isn't that right, Mr. Number 9? Yeah, so they had the draw. We knew the teams that had qualified for this third round, um, all 10 of them, and the it, the draw was literally two days after we our recording date, so it, we figured it makes sense to just put this in a few days yeah. later. Now, there is absolutely no seeding uh, in this uh, draw. Uh, you can tell based on the matchups, can't you? <laughs> Actually, yeah. Look, oh my, yes. So these matches are going to be played between the 24th and the 26th of March and the 27th and the 29th of March. Uh, I presume the way it is ordered here means the the team team one are home first and then away. I guess though it's to be decided. So I guess they're still deciding exactly how they're going to make it work. But yeah. So we'll go right into it. So the kings of the continent, Egypt, play against one of the top teams currently in Africa, Senegal. The Pharaohs versus the Lions of Taranga. It's one of the big matchups of this round. There's almost no non-big matchups, by the way. Just get used to it. It's a tough ask for either team. To be honest, Sadio Mane will get to play against his Liverpool teammate. Yeah. Hopefully, barring injuries, fingers crossed. That's got to be the that's got to be the highlight of the round, in my opinion. Despite all the great matchups. Yeah, oh, that's a great match right there. And you say, yeah, Mane versus um, Salah. That's it's going to be crazy, and it's sort of sad that they have to be drawn together because you know it means one of them doesn't make the World Cup and one does. Both of these teams have made it to the World Cup before Egypt being the first country from Africa to play in the World Cup, and they played in the very first World Cup back in 1930. Just some trivia for you guys. Now, the next match, we also have two countries that have played in the World Cup before. Two continental giants again, Cameroon and Algeria, though Algeria tradition have only won one AFCON, which I think we can all agree is an underperformance yeah. for how good they are, given how good their World Cup record yeah. is. Um, They've got a bit of a golden generation, and they're, uh, despite their poor showing in the AFCON, they are in this third round. 
but it's going to be tough to play against Cameroon. Yeah. Though Cameroon, as we speak now, basically just spent Afco- uh, their AFCON match against uh, Comoro, where the Comoronian team had to put a their left back as a goalkeeper, and they still almost lost. And they had been down to 10 oh, men. All right, so yeah. So well done, Comoro. Like the fairy tale is over for them, yeah, unfortunately. unfortunately. But yeah, Cameroon, Cameroon get through. But yeah, Algeria, Cameroon. It's I think Cameroon are just they, they seem to be vulnerable. I think Algeria, especially if they do have that second match at home, Riyad Mahrez, Islam Slimani. They've just got too many good players and form at the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. Um, as you say, Cameroon's not quite at the top of their game, and Algeria seems to be. Quite good, despite their Afcon performance. Yeah, I think you're right. That Algeria seem like they probably have the edge there, but I mean, it's another big, as you said, they're all big matchups. You know, it's not a thing, but it's another yeah, one yeah. where it just feels crazy that one of them's going and one of them's not. Um, and it seems yeah. like it's going to be real, real knife edge sort of stuff. Going on from there, we have two West African rivals. Arguably rivals on and off the pitch, uh, country-wise as well. Ghana versus Nigeria. Yeah. Basically, uh, this is like one of the other stellar matchups of this round. Um, I do think Nigeria are gonna get through, um, uh, despite just uh, recently um, not getting knocked out of the Afcon. Mm. But they they at least qualified, unlike Ghana. Uh, I mean, qualified outside of from their group stage into the yeah, knockout yeah. rounds. Uh, they have a really, really interesting team. They've played really well. It's in a great style of football. I am su- super interested to see what the Super Eagles are going to bring against the Black Stars. Uh, I can't... I think Nigeria have it, especially since they have the away, uh, their home second match at their home ground. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I almost feel like this is Ghana's me and like i'm a little things but i mean at the same time you're right nigeria has been playing well in the afcon they made it the quarterfinals they do have the what i would call the slightly better draw as well with away first and home second so i think i might be swayed by your arguments and, and be going nigeria probably will edge that but as we're saying these are all going mm. to be down to the wire like really they feel like they should be really close matches and really close ties that just it's going to be one or two goals max difference and it's just going to be exciting matches really yeah yeah i agree definitely especially because this is such a hated yeah. uh matchup there's so many Ghanaians living in nigeria and so many nigerians that live in ghana i know this is going to be crazy that game is gonna just light up yeah Following on from there, we have the DR Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo versus uh, Morocco, mm. Leopards versus the Atlas Lions, Democratic Republic of Congo is the first country from sub-Saharan Africa yeah. to qualify for the World Cup. They have not been in the World Cup since the, that time in the 60s, I want to say. Mm. They're up against one of the best teams on the continent. Yeah. So it's very tough, but uh, the Democratic Republic have a good team. This one is almost too close to call for me, but I think I'm just going to have to go with the Atlas Lions just because they seem to have the home game in the second match. 
And yeah. that might be the difference. I think there's another one hit of me, head versus heart. My heart wants the DR Congo to go, just, you know. Yeah. Seems the more special story. But I think you're right that Morocco is just probably going to be too strong. Yeah. I mean, to me, this one seems, like we're talking about heavyweights, this seems the least, almost the least heavyweight, maybe, because Morocco just feels stronger. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Say Congo, there's some Cinderella story going on there. Not quite, but close, so I sort of want them to do it anyway. Yeah, I agree. Now, the next match, we we have a matchup between Mali and we have Tunisia. The Eagles of Carthage playing the... I forget what the Malian team are called. The Eagles. That's right. That's how I made that <laughs> joke last time. <laughs> uh, the Eagles and the Eagles of Carthage. Mali, as I mentioned uh, previously in this podcast, tend to underachieve given mm. their talent. But they've been doing well so far in AFCON, and they are on form. Tunisia are lucky to make it to the group stage uh, when they did. Uh, they beat Nigeria, yes. so, you know, <laughs> anything can happen. Uh, they have the away match, but I feel like Mali... They don't have to go far to go to Tunisia. This is their one chance to make it to the World Cup. And I want to see one yeah. new African team. So I'm going to go for Mali in this one. I don't think the Congo have enough to beat Morocco, unfortunately. Yeah. So, yeah. The thing I would put for Mali here is they did beat Tunisia in the um, Africa Cup of Nations. So they've got very recent um, yeah. form there to, be, to have yes. that faith that they can do it. And... So, I believe Africa is also the only continent remaining where we can get a debutante well, yeah. team in the World Cup. Okay, Oceania might throw up a debutante team, but very that's very, unlikely. very unlikely. Let me just put it out there. If New Zealand aren't the Oceania representatives, 100% possible, that team is not beating whoever's <laughs> coming from North America. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, there is that. Especially if it's the likes of Mexico yeah. or the United yeah. States or even Canada. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I, I uh, agree with you, though, that um, I think Mali's probably going to do this one and hopefully be the first deputant, or the, this year's deputant. Um, yeah, this World Cup's only deputant. Well, there's Qatar, okay, that's yeah. to be fair. Qatar is a debutant yeah. in the World Cup as well. That, that is fair. It feels slightly cheaty when you're qualifying because you're hosting. Yeah. But it's sort of also like it's a thing, so yeah, yeah. So other than Qatar, Africa could throw us debutante teams, but I think even one it's going to be difficult to see because they're both up against tough, mm. tough, tough teams. And that that homes the home stadiums in Tunisia and Morocco, the fans yeah. are going to go crazy. So it's a tough to play the second game away anyway, and. You're playing up there, up north, and it's going to be, yeah. I'm not saying it's impossible, but, you know, Yeah, it is definitely difficult, difficult but I, I feel like Mali's probably going to be the one that can do it. Um, but, as you mm. say, it's very that second leg is going to be very difficult for Mali and for Congo. Um, yeah, I agree. So we'll see how they, how they go. Yeah. All right, back into our regularly scheduled program. Yeah, back to the podcast. Now, moving on to the other continents that are doing their qualifiers. 
Um, we have the AFC. Way it goes, uh, AFC have also got five qualifiers, but given the geographical challenges of the AFC, um, they don't do five team, you know, ten teams. Uh, back and forth they go the top of each teams um the top two of each uh, two groups uh, who are a final six a group of six will get through to the tournament and then you have the two third place teams play each other in the fourth round and whoever wins the between those two will play against the south american champions so basically it doesn't matter because they're not going to qualify for Qatar. <laughs> It's just, just a long-winded way of me saying that. Um, yeah, yeah. My apologies, but it's true. Uh, it is true, but yeah. Technically, but no. But, so that match is going to be played on the 13th to 14th of June. Yeah. And so it will uh, against the Comnable fifth place, which we will look into. But mm-hmm. currently... Um, uh, of the sides, uh, they've all played six matches each. Um, they are due to play ten, but from I think some quick napkin maths tells me Iran have looks looks like they're effectively qualified for uh, Qatar. Um, Looking very likely. Um, yeah, so that's four games left. So and South Korea are also very close. I mean. Yeah. Four games left for the UAE to catch up to them. They need to get eight, like, you know, uh, eight times three is... Uh, sorry, four times three is 12. 12. Yeah, so technically yeah. They, the UAE can catch both yeah. Iran and South Korea, but that requires the UAE to win everything and Iran and South Korea to win nothing. Yeah, Even if Iran... Yeah, even Lebanon and Iraq also, oh, I guess, theoretically, all ones there are there, are possible, but that requires some superhuman stuff going on, so. Yeah. I think both Iran and South Korea, it's basically one more win. Get it there. Yeah, I think, I agree. I mean, Iran has a tough fixture against Iraq, the local rivals, obviously. Yeah. Um. But the uh, follow, following on from that, they have a match against the UAE. If they win that game, you would think that's them sorted. Yeah. Well, the Iraq game's back in Iran, and they've already gone and beaten Iraq three nil in Iraq. So yeah, it is. A, I know what you mean. It is still a, a a derby, really. Those things can go anywhere. But it's like if the was a South Korea and Japan. I mean, yeah. You know, even if South Korea has beaten Japan 3-0 in Japan, you never know what Japan might do to South Korea in South Korea. Like, that's just, that's a local rivalry. Yeah, yeah. That's what happens. Um, but like I said, I expect those two to qualify. Like, you know, yeah. South Korea are perennial participants in the World Cup at this point. Like, we yeah, just yeah. expect them to be there. Um, similarly, Saudi Arabia, like, they've missed a few World Cups, but they're back in the year, becoming an, back in their position as an Asian powerhouse. Um, but they're at 16 points too, but their position looks a lot less fully secure. They've got a yeah. game against Oman um, next week, and then they play Australia. So those are their two remaining 
home games, and then they play Japan and China away. But Ooh. it's tough. Any of those three can still do it. Australia. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is the thing. The team that has the best chance of qualifying against a South American is Australia. Because they're <laughs> the only team to have done it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, that... you know, intercontinental qualifiers to beat South, beat a South American side and qualify. Because they, they did it against you. They beat Uruguay to oh, qualify for the 2006 World yes, Cup. Yes, yes, they did too. Sorry, yes. But like, yeah. I remember they had to play Argentina in the, to qualify for the 94 World Cup, yeah. which is where I think I told you my cousin got to watch Maradona play live. Yeah, yeah, I think he did say that, which is, I'm still jealous. Yeah. So, um, heck, Australia still have to beat the United Arab Emirates, assuming that's the team they have to face. I mean, yeah. you can never tell. Like, that fight for the third place spot in Group A is still contentious. Whoever, one of these three should finish in the third place spot, though Saudi, Japan, or Australia. Yeah, yeah. I think in the Group B, it, yeah. Saudi Arabia, Japan, Australia, those are the top three. I, I don't really see a man getting there. Um, possible, but I mean, the same as the UAE not having to be the third place team in Group A, or uh, UAE or Lebanon, really. Um, so, yeah, I think for Group B, it's just a fight between Saudi Arabia, Japan, and Australia about how that ranking goes. As at the moment, Saudi Arabia has a, a great um, advantage there, but they do have to play both Japan and Australia and Oman. Yeah. So, um, those are hard games going in for them. So they've got their they've got the points on the board, and it's up to Japan and Australia to chase them. I guess is the the situation. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so yeah. Yeah, Those they've are... got. Australia at home and Japan away, so those are the two hard games. Everything else is winnable for them. Yeah. Yeah, so their pole position, I think, is fair to say, is where they're at. Yeah, yeah. I would I would suspect, I would expect that they would be one or two. Um, I don't see them dropping all the way down to the third. That seems hard. That's five points lost. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I would expect that they would come either one or two. And it's just between Japan and Australia about which way around it goes for second, third, and the and the having to go into third and go through the knockouts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, now moving on from Asia, we were gonna go to their the rivals for this World Cup, Comnibol. Um, so South America, it's. Once again, uh, the the most interesting qualifying uh, the qualifying co- conference in existence. They've already got two teams that have qualified. Your, you know, the crown princes, Brazil and Argentina. Yeah. Um, there's gonna like this is gonna be a very COVID affected qualification tournament because yeah. there's going to be suspended games etc points given up etc etc um that being said argentina have only got one more game at home against venezuela and they have 
got uh and they've got three more games away uh basically get one against Brazil, Ecuador, Chile. This is the thing Argentina's probably not necessarily going to put their top sides in there. They're going to experiment with players as will Brazil. Um yeah. they because they've already qualified. I mean Sure, Brazil have an unbeaten record, so do Argentina, but it's not a hundred percent record, so they don't I don't think they'll feel obligated to keep winning. Yeah. Um there's uh they have to play eighteen games, so both of those uh, both of those two have uh five games to play and they have a game in hand and they've qualified. There's yeah. that's Something to consider, and they will give their players rest breaks because they don't necessarily also want them to get COVID by traveling yeah. internationally uh, when it's not necessary. Now, Ecuador, what a coming back to that the World awesome. Cup would be a great uh, result for them. Um, Twenty-three points. They're so so close to yeah. getting through. Um, there's uh, basically. Uh, Peru and Colombia ha- are about six points behind them. If Ecuador, like I said, they have a game at home to Argentina in the altitude. They have a home game against Brazil at home in the altitude. They can basically, if they can win those two games, I think that's that. That's them, right? Or even yeah, just yeah. one of those games, that should be them. That's two big um, games for them, but yeah, I think they take points there. Even probably... Maybe two draws is, is yeah, like they've Peru away, um, which will probably be played at Lima, uh, at the on the coast. Yeah. Um, and they will they've got Paraguay away, another winnable game for them given how well they've been playing. Yeah. So Ecuador, I think... like I said, they should aim to win those home games because they're. Yeah. There for the taking. I mean, it's yeah. big ask still to play Brazil, but you know they've got altitude and good yeah. players and their team. I guess the the big game there is the Peru game. It being away, um, down Lima mm. will probably be less. That's not the greatest for them, but that's that's the game that if they can win, like it does. The rest of the games almost don't matter. Win that game, you're probably qualifying because Peru's one of the other ones that's chasing them down. So yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I feel like if uh Ecuador win against uh Brazil, they'll effectively have qualified depending on how mm. Peru do uh cuz Peru um have an away game against Colombia. So that game is also vital. That's basically going to be a... If that game is a draw and Ecuador win in Brazil, that's, I think, effectively them qualified. Yeah. And they might give Peru a bit of a leeway away, like not risk a lot of their players. So that could be tough on Colombia. Um, They also... Colombia have a game against Bolivia, which again, uh, at home, which is they should win because Bolivia haven't been playing particularly well this tournament. And Colombia have got one away game against... um, Sorry, one away... Two away games, one against Argentina, one against Venezuela. Those are two winnable games because Argentina have already qualified, as we've shown. Yeah, yeah. Um, We'll go on. 
I'd say, yeah, it's going to depend a lot on Argentina and Brazil and what teams they show, they send. As you say, it seems likely they'll send lesser string sides, not wanting to stars well, not wanting to come back, things like that. So. Brazil and Argentina are strong enough teams that that might not be good enough. Yeah. Now, for Colum- now, going because I think Ecuador are in pole position and most likely to be the third qualifier, um, yeah. in my opinion. But Colombia, Peru, Chile, Uruguay, Bolivia, Paraguay, all with a chance to qualify. I think Paraguay yeah. maybe the least. They're four points behind Peru, with uh, sort of four points behind Peru and Colombia with four games. Uh, to go, but Bolivia's only two games behind. Uruguay, Chile, only a game behind. So, yeah, Chile get to play Argentina. Uh, they're one of their great rivals. And Uruguay, who they have to directly go against at home. And then they have a home game against Brazil and Bolivia, Ooh. who are also eternal rivals with Chile. Yeah. So, so this is like I think Chile considers Argentina the greatest rival, and Argentina is like who that? And <laughs> Bolivia are like you guys. Chile is our eternal rival, and Chile are like who that? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think the the um the basically that uh, those it's gonna be interesting to say the least. Um, looking at this time of the tournament, this is usually when Uruguay will come out and play, will ball out. Mind you, they have gotten rid of their coach, who has been their coach since the 2002 World Cup, uh, Tabarez. Um, so he, because uh, they're worried about not qualifying. Mm. Now, Uruguay have a game against Paraguay. Battle of the Guays in uh, on the 27th of January, and they will be playing uh, against uh, Venezuela on the 1st of Feb at home. So those are those are must-win games, I think, for yeah. Uruguay. And if they win those, I think they go into kind of a pole position because uh, Peru and Colombia are both. Uh, playing each other, so one of yeah. those two teams are not going to get points, or if they draw, is even better for Uruguay and Chile. So there's some catch-up opportunity. Because let's be honest, finishing fifth is like qualifying for Comnibol. Yeah, yeah. In this uh, particular World Cup uh, knockout structure, um, and Uruguay also have uh, Peru at home and. They have uh, Chile away, yeah. so two uh, two games that are like you know between people who they're kind of fighting out for that position. Yeah, so. yeah. you say the next two games they need you know win gives them pole position. Then their last two games is a bit of a com- confirmation of of it. Like win those two and it's 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 qualification right there. So that yeah. gives Uruguay a lot of of their own self determination in their own hands. Like Yeah. I don't think they're gonna be coming down to what other results are as much as some others. Like it is common ball, so you know, it's always down to other results, but 
Yes. So look at um, the results. Like Uruguay have not been in good form in this they qualification. Have not so. been. They have not. Um, the next team, uh, Bolivia, they get to have a home game against Brazil in March. And at that point, I think Brazil will very much be playing second and third string sides. It's 29th of March. There's no reason to bother players in Europe. Yeah, exactly. Um, unless uh, they want to just try stuff. Um, they've got a home game against Chile, as I said, eternal rivals yeah. of theirs. Um, their away games are against Colombia and Venezuela. So Venezuela's a winnable game. Obviously, they'll want to beat Chile at home, and I, and I think they will be up for that because, once again, home ground, that this is the highest you know, capital in the world. Such huge home field advantage, especially if they do beat Venezuela. They'll be, you know... They'll be gunned for it, like, you know. Yeah. Uh, they'll be fancying their chances. Um, and then they go on to play, basically, Colombia and Brazil. There's a very good chance, in my opinion, Bolivia could be that fifth-place team. Looking at the schedule, Yeah. I think Brazil, uh, for the last game, winnable. They've, still, they've got Venezuela in their sights still uh, away, yeah. winnable. Um, and the you know they get to play Chile, so you know a direct rival above them, yeah, to gain points off, and they get to um, play against Colombia away from home. So and that game is the second to last. So they know if they manage to beat Chile and they manage to beat Venezuela, then you know they're gonna be in a position to compete. Like Colombia might be below them at that point if yeah, exactly. Colombia's lost to Peru or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Bolivia beats Venezuela coming up. That puts up to 18 points. Either Colombia or Peru's gonna stay on 17. Uruguay's probably gone up to 19, but Chile's possibly stayed at 16. So that's jumping. At least two spots for Bolivia just that one game, and you say then they're facing direct competitions in that spot, so that just pushes them up. So likely, yeah, they would be close to that, quite likely be that fifth spot given their things. And you say they got Brazil last, but by that stage, Brazil will just be very much in the whatever's point of view. Um, so yeah, unless because Brazil. I don't know, maybe they care about keeping the zero losses, but I say I don't see the European stars coming back for it and getting annoyed getting their clubs annoyed because of quarantines on the way back and things like that. So Yeah, yeah. I think they're gonna be on a side note, I find it interesting that most of the teams in South America go by their colours for their nickname. So obviously uh, Brazil are the Salaciao or the Can- Canarino, which is the Canaries. Yeah. So the Select, which is basically the the, the team, like the Mineshaft for Germany, and the Canarinos being the Canaries because they wear the yellow. Um, but yeah, yeah Argentina literally translates to the blue and whites, and yeah. the, uh, <laughs> Peru's translates to the red and white, uh, and things, you know. Uruguay's translates to the Celeste. Bolivia is like Le Verde, which is the greens. Chile are the red, you know, La Roja, so, oh yeah, the reds. Yeah. <laughs> and 
But like interestingly, Colombia are called the uh, coffee growers. <laughs> That's like the translation. They don't literally call themselves the coffee growers. So no, no. Los Cafeterias or La Tricolor, which is like La Tricolor is common enough. Yeah. And Ecuador are La Tri because they wear the three colors on their uniform. Yeah, yeah. That and Paraguay. Because we have to are the Guaranis, yeah, makes sense, or the red and what, or the white and red. All right, yeah, yeah. And Venezuela are the red wine. Once again, a color, but yeah. like Africa seems to almost always pick an animal. Just yeah. interesting. <laughs> it is thought. interesting. No, that is actually feeling interesting. Say. Africa goes for an animal and... Brazil, who specifically have picked an animal. Yeah, but it's... Yeah, the Canaries is, is a normal name for a team in yellow, so... Yeah. And, like, uh, the others... And there's no color suggestion for their thing, you know? Their, uh, for their in their name at all. Like, Colombia, it's, it's interesting because, like, teams like Panama are called the Canal Boys. And it's it's more similar to a lot of the North American teams. Yeah. Of how they pick their names. But now looking at our final confederation, because are we actually no? We'll look at OFC too. Do we look at UEFA? If we want to. <laughs> UEFA's already had some qualifiers, so I think we yeah, can. Yeah. We, can look, we can look at a few of them. So, CONCACAF, we are down to our third round. Basically, top three teams will qualify, and the third place team will play against whoever quali uh, qualifies from the OFC. So, you know, decent chance for New Zealand, I think. Yeah. Now, not to say CONCACAF, any of these CONCACAF teams are going to be easy beats. Um, at the moment, pole position looks like Panama are there to try and qualify for at least third or fourth. Mm. Canada topping the groups and the USA on the fifth. It's so close to call, I think. It is. Oh, that, that is. top four is going to finish. I think yeah. even Costa Rica can come up in that time. They've got both uh, Canada and the USA at home. All right. Yeah, yeah. They play Mexico away. Um, their big rivals, um, and then Jamaica, El Salvador, away. So, yeah, yeah the and Costa Rica, uh, uh, I, they're not as strong as they used to be, but yeah, they've got good players, um, and having a good goalkeeper makes all the difference. Yeah, and these does. sort of not these sort of qualification tournaments. Um, but Canada, I think. Yeah, it's going to be their first appearance in the World Cup since 1986, should oh. they make it. And I think they will. Excuse yeah. me. I think they've got a bit of a golden generation going. Like, the youth system's been producing good players. They know knew that they were going to host the World Cup in 2026. They're going to have a damn good team for it, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah, no, they're looking very good. Um, looking very strong. You say they got a... They've got a reasonable um, home run as well. That yeah. Honduras, then the USA, El Salvador, Costa Rica, Jamaica, and Panama. So, like they've done the Mexico 
two Mexico games already, so... Yeah, yeah, they've beaten Mexico um, yeah. at home. It drew away. And, and drew away. Um, yeah, El- if Mexico aren't careful, they could be in that qualifying tournament, um, in that mm. playoffs, and this time New Zealand will beat them. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> but uh, on a more serious note, I think... Uh, Panama are gonna be uh, could should fancy their chances. They could even finish second in this uh, group because they've got Canada. Uh, that might yeah. be because I feel like Canada's the form team, and by that point in the thirtieth of March, Canada may have already qualified. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, they play uh, Jamaica at. Oh, they play Jamaica at home, um, at home on the 30th of Jan, and they play. Uh, the, sorry, they play um, Mexico uh, at uh, at Mexico on the 2nd yeah. of Feb. If they can sneak in a win against Mexico in yeah. February, that's basically I think that puts them in pole position to directly qualify. There, no Oceania travel. Imagine if the US MN, uh, NMT had to come play against the All Whites. Uh, I wonder if that's funnier or if them just not qualifying is funnier. One of the two. They're, they're both funny. I suppose we've done the, the not qualifying for the USA um, men's team, so come play. I us. mean, they're automatically qualifying for the next one, so if, it, yeah. if they didn't qualify and we had Costa Rica, Panama, Mexico, and Canada. Yeah, that would be that would be a very I think genuine legitimately disappointed I think the USA. Yeah. Um a lot of people are saying that the next country outside of Europe to win a World Cup is gonna be the USA. Alright. I'm not sure if I agree with that, but mm. I see the logic. I do see the logic, but yeah, I also don't know if I agree with that either. Um I mean uh, Maybe, but, but I feel like they need to become a lot more consistent. Yeah, and it's going to be played in Qatar the in the 13th or 14th of June, so there's no home advantage. It's a one-off game. I mean, Chris Wood will, will score an incredible, uh, put on an incredible performance against whoever wins. So it doesn't matter who's fourth and... Uh, Concacaf because the OFC yeah. qualify. The all whites are going to qualify, right? That's just what's going to happen. Damn straight. <laughs> Always believe. Absolutely, and then we'll win the cup. Well, okay, yeah, nobody will believe us, but we're going to win the cup. Absolutely. Now, speaking of Oceania, we have uh, the groups are yet to be decided. Uh, currently. Um, We've still got a qualification match uh, for the fourth teams to come, uh, for yeah. the fourth team in Group A to come. Yeah, well, they're doing all the... Um, all the qualifications are over in, in, in Qatar, I think. If I remember correctly. Yeah, so it's between the Cook Islands and Tonga. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I think that might be the Cook Islands to lose, right? 
they're generally more of a football powerhouse than Tonga are. Yeah, yeah. I would traditionally. Yeah, I would suspect that, but you never I know. That's a decent group for all three of the teams above them, though. Vanuatu, Tahiti, Solomon Islands. They should all fancy their chances to try and try and yeah. win these games. They're going to be played in. Um, these uh, they're going to be played home and away, obviously. Um, and then we've got New Zealand. The group has the usual suspects: New, uh, New Caledonia, Fiji, uh, Papua New Guinea. But um, with all due respect to our Pacifica brethren, this is the all whites to lose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing going is the fact that it is like. All the matches in a very short period of time and as i remember it's not nicely over a, a international window so there is being um issues around availability of, of key new zealand players um, like you and i will put on our whites we'll still put on our whites i still think that no matter what team new zealand puts out they're going to be strong enough to to qualify out yeah of that. i agree um, yeah and, and I mean, by the time the knockout stages come after that, I'm pretty sure um, there's a, a availability there. And given that Chris Wood has actually just made himself available for the All Whites um, friendly coming up. Um, yeah. Anyway, because he's like, well, it's just over. It's, once again, it's over in Qatar. He's like, it's, I can get there. It's fine. Um, Maybe we will have some decent... We'll have some of our players come over some of those games anyway and just make themselves available where they can. Um, because it's, oh, so it all the qualifiers Qatar. are in Qatar, are they? Yeah, all the qualifiers are in Qatar, as I understand, because they couldn't get them sorted um, beforehand over the last few bits of COVID. New Zealand's um, effectively going to have like acclimatisation and everything and have it all yeah. done. So yeah, the only issue is... There is around um, is around availability of of stars for New Zealand. That's the that's the problems um, because it's uh, FIFA has set the qualification tournament the group stages to be not during a international window. So, which only really impacts on New Zealand. And yeah, that's yeah did not cause did not yeah make the New Zealand coaches and selection team for NZ um, football be particularly happy about it all. But in the end, it is what it is. And say so I still consider our team to be strong enough that it should be fine. But yeah, see how we go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, we'll win. It's fine. Yeah, we'll win. And we'll, be, and we'll win the cup. It's fine. It's fine. As I said, it looks like Chris Wood will just make himself available as much as he can anyway, since it's just in Qatar, and he's like, I can fly there in a day, so whatever. Fly over the yeah, place, yeah, yeah. fly back again to play for Newcastle. And it looks like Newcastle's happy for that. They're like, yeah, yeah, you go play for your country. That works for us as well. Like, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that should definitely be good. Um, ban... That's uh yeah, and we're gonna beat whoever North America send. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We'll be fine. Next up, we are going to the big daddy UEFA. 
We've got a few teams that have already qualified here. Group A. Ba, 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 ba. Serbia. Almost look like Serbia and Portugal have basically set it up so it's between the two of them. Whoever win that group and Serbia has already qualified um, because this is a five-team group. And yeah. Portugal are going to be... There's going to be a draw to figure out who plays in the uh, knockout rounds. Um, the Spain's already qualified and the Sweden are in the knockouts. It'll in the playoffs, Switzerland's yeah. qualified, Italy's in the playoffs, uh, France has qualified, Ukraine's in the playoffs, Belgium's qualified, Wales is in the playoffs, and Czech Republic is in the playoffs via the Nations League. Yeah. Ha, all those teams that ignored the Nations League. <laughs> Denmark is in the playoffs. Scotland are in, uh, sorry, Denmark have qualified. Scotland are in the playoffs, and Scotland. Austria, are, and Austria are in the playoffs uh, due to the Nations League. The Netherlands, yeah. um, I believe this group is also already done. Um, group G, Netherlands have already qualified. Woohoo! And uh, Turkey are in the playoffs. Croatia's qualified. Russia's in the playoffs. Um, England have qualified. Good work, then. Poland is in the playoffs. Yep, good work. Yeah. Germany have qualified. North Macedonia are in the oh, playoffs. Yeah. Go North Macedonia. The way it's worked is the second place team's uh, selection and seeding at Portugal are the top seed. Yeah. And Ukraine are in the bottom seed. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So they've got some, um, and then yeah, for the Looks like the um, the those games have been drawn. Have they? I think so. Looks like. Um, yeah. So yeah, in March, Scotland are playing Ukraine. At the pathway. What's pathway? Three pass of four teams. Right. They've okay. basically made way for super complicated. Yes, they have basically made way for super complicated. So you they'll have another round of Yeah, so they've got semi finals and a final in three different pools so yeah scotland ukraine wales and austria go into one pool scotland plays ukraine wales plays austria two winners of that go into a final to determine who's the qualifier out of that path then yeah. russia poland sweden and the czech republic are in the next pool they play russia will play poland sweden will play czech republic and then italy north macedonia portugal and turkey in the final path italy plays north macedonia and portugal plays turkey 
do we only have one, two, three more teams to qualify from Europe? Um, appears so. No, I think it's just three more to go by the looks of things. I can't confirm that because it's not being particularly clear. But yeah, it looks like there's three more teams to be qualified. And that's yeah. Okay. So because we went all the way to group um, J, which is uh, 11. Groups, I want to say. Ten. Ten plus Ten the group. two. Ten plus the two um, nation league. Um, yeah. So there's ones. been eleven teams of eleven. So ten teams 12. from. Sorry, sorry. Twelve teams from the continent have already been decided. Have already qualified. Yep. And okay. it's three more, so that would give them a total of fifteen. That adds up. Yeah. That, that makes sense. So it's basically because of Nation League teams, we're not just having a straight playoff. We're yeah, having yeah. a I think tournament, quote-unquote. That's pretty much it, is that, um, yeah, that the Nations League's just thrown a small small spanner and made it a bit more complicated to um, for them so to get you, the last few. So whom do you like in Part A? We've got Scotland, Ukraine, Wales, Austria. We're going to see a Britain final here, aren't we? Wales versus Scotland. Yeah, I mean... Go Wales. They've had so many issues. It would be such a redemption story after Ryan Giggs's, uh, like the problems there and everything, and then them, for them to be able to qualify from that, that would be incredible, yeah. I think. And Austria, I mean, Austria has not been particularly good. They've got here because of their Nation League stuff, and they were the worst performing of them of the these qualifiers. They only came fourth in their group. So um yeah. I I think that one Wales has got a good chance and Wales are at home. Um and Scotland's at home to Ukraine, so it actually gives possibly gives them slight advantage. Um Scotland seeded second behind Portugal, so yeah, highly likely it'll be a, a a British final in that path, eh? Either Wales or Scotland to the to the World Cup, but not both. Yeah, and part B is anything stopping Zlatan from taking Sweden to the World Cup? Probably not. Maybe maybe Russian hitman. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so Russia play Poland and uh, Sweden, Czech Republic. But like jokes aside, I think we all accept that Zlat uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic doesn't always do the business for Sweden. So mm. it's a very open group. This is probably the most open part. Except yeah. I just looked at the other part and there's Italy and Portugal. Yeah. Well, path C, I think. It's just the final that's, yeah, Italy or Portugal, that's going to be a, a coin toss, and that's a pretty pretty harsh place for both those teams to be in. Like, But I think the way it seems to imply, it's the... Um, the it means if Portugal beat Turkey, they get to host? Possibly. 
Yeah, yeah. Because Portugal should be is top seed, so they should um should host yeah. if it's if it's um. And because yeah. you beat the top seed, you will get to. Yeah. 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 yeah it's it looks like yeah Portugal will host Italy. That that final for Path C, so that does give them the advantage. But yeah, that will be a a tough game either way. Yeah, because I think uh, North Macedonia, the Fairytale will be over. They're going to lose to Italy, unfortunately. They're a really good team. Even though Portugal, I think Italy are an incredible side who play really, really well and have an incredibly great, good style of play. And I think Roberto Mancini, this is like, would be a redemption story for Italy. They're European champions and everything. They could so be having a back-to-back missing out of World Cups. How would that be? How would that oh, feel? That's kind of, uh, yeah. I mean, this whole path C, all four of those teams, I feel really unfortunate. This should be like in right, poll. If you remember the 2006 uh, World Cup, Greece didn't make it there, and they were European champions as well. Yeah, yeah. Um. So Italy, they could totally lose out and very easily um, and not qualify. Very unlucky to be in this group. I guess they didn't have a good qualifying tournament, like because they're third seed after Scotland. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um, and they got put in the uh, same pot in the. Yeah, it's a bit unlucky <laughs> draw for for Italy, really. Like. Yeah, just look at that past and just I think even North Macedonia like that's being a bit unfortunate for them as well to be stuck in there and be like oh. Because if North Macedonia work. were to be in that, if you replaced Italy with say Russia or Sweden into that part C, you could go oh yeah that's a more reasonable yeah. thing. But yeah, at or the end if... of the day, Italy didn't play as well as Scotland, so yeah. As the same thing, you could replace if Italy had played slightly better and therefore top seed, it was second seed, then technically they replaced with Scotland there, and that's a different kettle fish all around going on. Um, yeah. And yeah, and if I was North Macedonian, you know, even going to Scotland, that's a long trip and all the rest, but that would be a game I'd be much more um, enthused with. But, mm. Yeah, but as I say, it's, 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 it is what it is. Italy's in here with Portugal, North Macedonia, but even Portugal, Turkey, I know it's at home for Portugal, but that's not an easy game for Portugal either, really. And yeah. Turkey was their seventh seed. They're just outside the pot one. Yeah. Um, what is the reward for being number one seed? You seem to get tough games. Yeah, no, that's really unfortunate for Portugal as well. Like, do all the hard work, number one thing, and like, hey, how about you go in the in the path with all the other good teams? Yeah. Like, you get the number three seed and the number seven seed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. How has that really been nice? You know, get the, you know, get the the top team out of the, the technical unseeded side of it. But I guess it would it was drawn, I think they just drew one from pot, you know, two from pot one, two from pot two, and you got what you got. Yeah, yeah. 
Dang. <laughs> oh, well. I mean, at previous World Cups, I can remember the UEFA qualifiers, you know, you got all the second place teams all go play each other, and they always always threw up matchups, so you're just like, oh, that's just harsh, harsh, harsh. And you felt like the qualification tournament before didn't really matter where you ended up, you always seemed to be getting harsh um, outcome from it anyway, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's incredible to me that Portugal, Scotland, and Italy weren't put into three separate parts to begin with because they were the top three seeds. And then, yeah, no. there were, then you uh, just pick out the... It may have been due to the Russia-Ukraine... Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Like they may have just decided that that was... Yeah. That may have thrown the spanner in the works because they didn't want to have Russia and Ukraine together, obviously, in the same path, obviously, because political stuff. And that would yeah. just be actual problematic. So, Yeah, and that might be why Russia ends up qualifying. Yeah. Because, like I said, part B is open. Anyone can win. Russia beats Poland. They host Sweden or Czech Republic. That's a winnable game for them. Yeah. No, very much so. But I mean, all all three paths are pretty pretty tight as it is. I mean, yeah, Russia, Poland, Sweden, Czech Republic—they're all teams that can then they can qualify. They can all beat each other. So, and same as Scotland, Ukraine, Wales, Austria—like, there's there's no easy game in any of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's an interesting way it's ended up. But at least yeah. most of their qualifiers are done, and this, yeah. these games are going to be played over March, so that's going to be going to be an yeah. interesting podcast to talk about in May about those tournaments. Yeah, um, yeah, we're definitely going to preview that uh, all whites game, aren't we? Oh, definitely. But to qualification, obviously, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this is heating up. It's gonna be. I'm. I'm almost already too excited. Almost like in the mode of like, oh, I'm so excited for cause for the World Cup to begin. Because at this point yeah. of the year, we'd have already be like, you know, we'd already know who all the qualifiers are because it was. It would have all been done by November. Yeah, exactly. We would have had our. In a way, delaying the tournament to the end of the year has made like it fit better with COVID. Yeah, it ha- really has, really. Yeah, but we'll we'll see how the how it all plays out. I'm sure the tournament will be completely controversy free, <laughs> and there will be no issues whatsoever, right? Yeah, sure. That that, that sounds about right. <laughs> no but controversy I think here. We'll definitely. In a few weeks or maybe a month's time, we will definitely relook at what happens in the next round of international fixtures as the yeah, things yeah. heat up, and we'll know a lot more. F, uh, um, in March, well, in March we should know everything apart from the intercontinentals. Yeah, exactly. Well, by the end of March. So. Yeah. Um. So really, in April, we'll we'll, yeah, we'll have who's going, who's having to be intercontinentals, and all the rest. So. 
which will be very exciting. Absolutely. Anyways, I think that's all we have time for today. Yeah. Um, thanks very much for listening, and we'll look forward to hearing from you next time. Catch you next time.